0: Right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. All right, let's start with the port strike situation because this does have an outsized impact on BC, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it has an outsized impact act on the whole country because uh, an awful lot of stuff that comes and goes in Canada, whether we're talking our exports or all the stuff we import uh, goes through the ports in British Columbia. It's good to hear uh, the mayor, of Prince Rupert, on there, reminding everybody just how important Prince Rupert is in the great scheme of things. Huge, right? Vancouver metropolitan. Yeah, so it's huge. I mean, when you get a labor dispute and one side is saying, we've done all the bargaining we can, and the other side is saying, hey, you know, we need to get back to the table and bargain, uh, you can sort of say, well, let's let them work it out. But I don't think the country's economy or the provincial economy can afford to wait.
0: Well, let's talk about the B.C. economy, because just yesterday we were discussing yeah. kind of jobs numbers, and they're kind of on the bubble here. What could this do?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right, Simi. The, 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 ec- the economy is already slowing. Job creation is slowing. Private sector job creation in some sectors of the economy is going backwards. And that, of course, adds to the problem because of the spillover effect on the whole national economy. Um, the other thing about about a port strike is, I mean, we tend to think of it in terms of exports, but <laughs> imports, there's a great book written a few years ago called 99% of Everything. A British reporter went and wrote around the world on container ships. And she pointed out that, you know, for most of the Western economies, Canada, UK, uh, United States, an awful lot of the stuff we buy comes to us in containers, in container ships. Uh, She was making the point that, you know, about globalization and how everything is linked together, but we'll start to see the effect. Uh, on imports, as well, fairly soon, because even the stuff we make here, some of it 's made with stuff that comes in by container ships. I mean, remember when that con- those containers washed overshore, yeah, overboard, and you know people 's refrigerators that they 'd ordered and paid for started washing up on the beach on the west coast of vancouver island i mean this This is a two way pressure on the economy, and for that reason, I really think you know what's the national government waiting for uh, you you look at these talks the employer is saying we've moved as much as we can there's no point in bargaining the union is saying please please back to the table bargain there's still bargaining room don't impose a settlement i, I look at that dynamic any any time somebody wants binding arbitration, whichever side in a talk wants binding arbitration, which is what you're going to get if Parliament imposes a settlement. Uh, Anytime somebody wants binding arbitration, it's because they think they can get a better deal from the arbitrator. And anytime one side doesn't want it, it's because they think they have more leverage. So, you know, if it were just these two parties, uh, you'd go, okay, well, you know, you work it out. Uh, You know, we're not going to do anything. But I think with the economy slowing nationally, uh, the national government, you're going, what are you waiting for? Um, there's been some assumption, Simi, that the national government, the liberals don't want to call back parliament to do this because the NDP siding with the union won't support back-to-work legislation. That's not really an obstacle. The Conservatives, uh, I expect, would support back-to-work legislation, uh, would support stepping in. So the government doesn't lack the votes to get this through. They they will anger their partners in power-sharing, but, you know, the Liberals aren't particularly all that afraid of the NDP anyway, given the opinion polls suggest if the NDP forced an election, the NDP would suffer the loss of more seats than the Liberals would.
0: Right, but I, this will still take a couple of days. This is what I don't understand. Like, yeah, even if they talk about tomorrow or the day after yeah. legislating back to work, it's days before you can get Parliament back up and running. Like, many people have to fly in.
1: You're you're right, Simi, and as I say, the... Uh, well, again, I, I uh, heard uh, Herb Pond uh, of Prince Rupert say to you, uh, you ask anybody in Rupert who's in business there, and they're already feeling the yeah. effects. The, the, the just-in-time delivery system that is central to the global economy means um, even a, a disruption of a few days has a, a ripple effect right through the economy. There is stuff sitting in containers Uh, and ready to ship to customers in Asia uh, through Rupert that are, you know, already we're going to be heading there and they're already being diverted somewhere else to Los Angeles or one of the West Coast ports in the United States.
0: We have more to talk about with Vaughn Palmer. So he is with us to talk about BC ferries. So switching from more of a national look to provincial here, Vaughn, why can't we get this right with BC ferries?
1: (laughs) You know, Simi, I thought I had heard all of the outrages about what went on on B.C. ferries this weekend, and then I caught uh, Kylie Stanton's report on Global last night. So remember the advice that ferries gave last week, which was there was going to be cancellations, and there were going to be service interruptions, and there was a ship being repaired. So what you should do is you should walk on. You should walk on the ferry. Never mind, you know, leave your belongings behind and just walk on, Right. But look what happened. <laughs> the, the report pointed out two things. First of all, they started rationing walk-ons. So the, this couple arrive at the terminal, and they, they wanna, they're they want gonna, going to walk on, and they say, ah, we're overloaded. Uh, we'll sell a ticket to one of you, but he's going to have to wait. And then the other one that's, I mean, I guess I knew this is what happens. You get to the terminal, and you park your car, And there's no parking spaces. The, the parking lots are overflowed, so they told you to walk on and you know, leave your car behind, but you can't find a place to put your car. And of course, if you're like me, you arrived at the ferry terminal at the last minute, so you jam your car in somewhere and you run like there must be a fitness regimen in the world that involves running for a BC ferry.
0: Isn't that and, your isn't that your fitness regimen? Isn't that <laughs> yeah? And you
1: get back <laughs> after your weekend on the island or your weekend on the mainland, and you got a parking ticket, ninety eight dollars. For parking, because you you parked in an illegal spot in the ferry terminal. So they, the the people who police parking at BC Ferries don't cut people slack because the ferry corporation told you to walk on and leave your car and there were no parking spaces. They hand out tickets. So this thing has become a cash for, source for BC <laughs> Ferries. Their advice that you should walk on is... I don't know how much money they're collecting uh, through their parking agent uh, in $98 parking tickets.
0: Now, Vaughn, I remember on Friday when we talked, uh, Rob Fleming, the transportation minister, was going to have a presser, and you you know, pretty much they were going to talk about B.C. Ferries. What happened with that?
1: It's unacceptable what's going on on B.C. Ferries. It is unacceptable, although I must say the government seems to be doing a fairly good job of accepting it since they've been government for six years. But no, it's unacceptable, and we're not going to put up with this any longer. By gosh, uh, the Premier said that, too. Well, I mean, you look at the progress on this and where we stand. So a year ago, the New Democrats took total political control of B.C. ferries. The Liberals had it out there to some degree at arm's length. They subsidized the service. They left the management to an arm's length board. The government changed the legislation, took back control of the ferries, appointed an NDP cabinet minister as chair of the board. She went in and fired out the, fired the CEO for a million and a half dollars in severance. And John Horgan said, people are going to say, what took you so long? So at the time, political observers, me, others, pointed out that if you're going to do that, you're also going to take political ownership of everything on the ferries that goes sideways or wrong or needs attention. And here we are today. New Democrats are saying it's unacceptable. They created this situation of political control, and it's not going as quickly as their own rhetoric a year ago suggested. And when you hear the excuse-making, Simi, um, it's going to take a while. There's staff shortages, recruitment challenges. Um, I was struck by the reason for the service interruptions on the weekend is there's a ship being refitted, and it's taking longer than expected, and they couldn't expedite the work because the shipyards are overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, uh, that's what Nicholas Jimenez told us, uh, you yeah. know, that that's the reason why, is that we don't have the capability here in B.C. to better quickly equip and, and yeah.
1: f- repair these, these ships. Yeah, but remember, in opposition, the NDP complained all the time that we should be building the ships here and the reason given by the ferry corporation in those days was it would be more expensive and the yards here don't have the capacity to do it so we we can build more ships for less money by building them offshore and that's been the case so if the ndp had actually stepped in and said we're going to build all these new ships in british columbia they changed their minds when they saw the books and the challenges um, the problem would be worse, not better. I mean, yes, it would be wonderful if BC yards could compete to build the ships, but they're having trouble competing to get the repair and upgrading work done on time and on budget. So I don't think that's in the future. So it's another area where, you know, the New Democrats had these solutions in opposition, and opposition parties have an easy time coming up with solutions because they don't have to implement them. Um, but I look at it now and I go, Premier, the minister are saying people are going to have to be patient while we meet these challenges. How patient are people going to be? The next holiday weekend is what, a month away? Yeah, and that's the big one, right? Yep.
0: BC Day is the big one. Yep. And I said this to uh, Nicholas Jimenez, too. I said, listen, is there not a, do you not say, hey, all hands on deck, like absolutely no time off for long weekends? Like, why can't they make those a priority?
1: And if you're going to tell people to walk on, make sure they've got a place to put their car. Okay. Although you back up the advice on that. Say, no, no, what you should do is take public transit. Well, uh, the bus service from the provincial capital region out to Swartz Bay is not as convenient as it might be. The government might want to talk to BC Transit about that, too. I mean, as I said, if you're going to take ownership of the management and operation of the ferries, then you're going to get blamed for everything that goes sideways, because what else can you do? You fired the CEO of the somewhat arm's length old corporation, you took political ownership, and now you're reaping the downside of that politicization of the service.
0: Exactly that. All right, Vaughn, thank you.
1: Bye-bye, Simi.